Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from this doubleheader at Progressive Field. Game one, it's the Cleveland Guardians four, the Detroit Tigers one. Game two, it's the Detroit Tigers seven, the Cleveland Guardians five. They split the doubleheader. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And, you know, it's not exactly what we wanted out of this doubleheader. Hey, it's hard to win a doubleheader. It is. I mean, these are Major League Baseball teams. It's hard enough to sweep a series. Uh, it's hard to sweep a doubleheader. Uh, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. And they did in Game 2. They absolutely did in Game 2. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll get into all the storylines. I do want to say, before we kick off this show, I really appreciate how much you've been listening, Morning People. Uh, you know, there are, there's something I subscribe to that kind of gives me, uh, some charting, some chart information on Apple podcasts, at least. And I know some of you listen in other places, but, uh, as far as baseball podcasts go on Apple podcasts, uh, we popped up at the 141st position of all baseball podcasts listened to in the United States of America. I'm that's actually that's one of the higher positions we've ever been. Uh, so that's really cool. You got you you morning people have really been digging in lately. I don't know if it was the Toronto series that really got you listening. But uh, yeah, you thank you. Thank you very much for everything. You know, everything you do for the show to help it grow and all the listening you've been doing uh, in Germany. We're, we've been really big in Germany. We're the 48th baseball podcast in all of Germany. And I've never seen this one before. We popped up in Spain, the 21st baseball podcast in all of Spain. And then uh, in Mexico, I haven't seen us pop up in Mexico either. The 27th listened to podcast, baseball podcast in all of Mexico. So pretty cool stuff right there. We're popping up all around the world. Uh, I love, I don't know if you're all transplanting Clevelanders or just fans of Guardians baseball, you know, how you came to us. Uh, but I appreciate everybody out there that's listening. And we fluctuate all over the place on this thing. Uh, you know, it, it's it's kind of random. But it was really cool to see that we popped on so many charts uh, in the last week. So uh, thank you. Thank you, morning people. And I'll keep giving you the content, the storylines, the best I can every morning after every Guardians game. So let's get into the storylines of this one. Now, obviously, with a doubleheader, there is a lot to go over here. So I may breeze through some things. I might, you know, skip over some things just to get through both games because there is a lot to talk about. We've got Andres Jimenez with some heroics. We've got strikeouts. We've got guys making their major league debuts. Um, we've got guys on the Tigers who finally, after their fourth major league game, have finally put together a good game uh, to write home about. So we've got, a, that's Kerry Carpenter. We've got a lot to talk about here. So let's get into it. Game one, the Guardians win four to one. And Aaron Savali, it helps to face the Detroit Tigers, but he was good. Ten, his, ten strikeouts on the day. That's the big storyline here. Six innings pitched, three hits given up, one earned run, one walk, and ten strikeouts on 82 pitches. Remember, he's coming back from injury, so probably on a lower pitch count. He only gives up four hard-hit balls on 82 pitches. And uh, it's a really, really solid uh, job by Aaron Savali there. Unfortunately, he doesn't get a win 
because he's out of the game before Andres Jimenez hits that home run in the bottom of the seventh. So the win actually goes to Karinchek, who comes in and gets two strikeouts in the seventh inning. But Savali, I mean, absolutely dominant. We go over to the illustrator here, and uh, it's interesting. In that first inning, he gets hit around a little bit, right? And everything's kind of up. Every, not one single pitch below the knees in that first inning. And then he settles down. I mean, he threw a bunch of curveballs in that first inning. Uh, let's see, what did he actually give up hits on here? Uh, he gave up the single on a four-seam fastball. Uh, he gave up the double to Javi Baez on a slider uh, that was uh, off the plate, way off the plate. Uh, and Baez gets that for a slider, so uh, or gets that for a double. So didn't even give up anything on the curveball, but couldn't really get things down. After that, uh, yeah, he would get that curveball down. He'd finally get it working at the bottom of the zone, and it would lead to every strikeout. All 10 strikeouts coming on curveballs. And seven of them are basically at the knees or below. Uh, one was on the arm side, just off the arm side of the plate to Harold Castro. And then he got Miguel Cabrera and Riley Green in the zone. Up, uh, Miguel Cabrera was right down the middle, frankly, at the belt. A 1-2 curveball that he swings through. And Riley Green's was a called strike three on a 2-2 count in the sixth inning. He drops a high curveball on him. Uh, in the strike zone. So all 10 strikeouts coming via the curveball. That's pretty impressive. The total CSW numbers on the day for Aaron Savali, we talk about this a lot, man. The 40 the 40% CSW line is that line that, you know, if you're above that, you are in elite elite territory. He has a total 45% CSW on the day. They, he threw the curveball the most on the day, 36 times. More than the, either of his fastballs, the cutter or the two-seam sinker. Through 36 curveballs, he got 11 whiffs on 16 swings. It's a 69% whiff rate on the curveball, plus 12 called strikes. It's a 64% CSW on the curveball that he threw 36 times. They put one in play the entire day. Uh, it's a 38% CSW on the cutter, uh, only a 27% CSW on the two-seam sinker, which he only threw 15 times. I mean, imagine going to your fastball that few times. Uh, and so it's a 45% total CSW on the day. So after that first inning, uh, he does give up a run in that first inning. He really, really locks in for the next five. and was I mean, this was Dominant, dominant Aaron Savali that we saw last year when Bieber and Plesak were out and Savali was leading the pitching staff, right? Really, before Quantrill popped last season, it was Savali who was leading the pitching staff in that first half. And uh, that this was this is exactly what we were seeing. I mean, this guy, this guy can make some things happen. I mean, but again, it's against the Tigers. We got to see it against some stiffer competition. But, I mean, that probably felt really good to get a 10-strikeout game under his belt for Aaron Savali. And then the bullpen was just dominant after him. Karinchek gets the 7th. Trevor Steffen with a clean 8th with a strikeout. And Classe shuts him down in the ninth uh, inning, despite Javi Baez trying to hit a ball off the bounce in the center field. I don't know if you saw the highlight. He literally, like a cricket player, takes it off the dirt, and bloops it into center field. Luckily, Straw's able to run under it 
and catch it for an out. So that's what was going on with the pitching side of things. The offensive storyline, my God, I mean, six, seven, and eight hitters had opportunities, but it was all the middle of the lineup in this one. Uh, Straw does a good job of getting on base twice in that ninth spot, and he's able to score two runs because of it, a hit and a walk. But all the RBIs, everything came from the middle of the lineup. Uh, you know, Oscar Gonzalez actually doesn't get any RBIs or any runs scored because he's stranded by six, seven, and eight in this lineup. Nolan Jones with a terrible day uh, goes, uh, you know, 0 for 4 in this first game with three strikeouts. Uh, it was a rough one. He personally left five guys on base. Um, most of the guys left on base come from those. Uh, well, everybody left guys on base in this game. Even Ahmed Rosario had himself. Ahmed Rosario had a pretty rough day split between both games. Um, so, yeah. So, uh most of the offense comes from Jose Ramirez has a two-hit game. Andres Jimenez has a three-hit game. Oscar Gonzalez has a two-hit game. The three, four, five guys really working hard in this one. And the big hit, the big hit, they do tie it up in the fifth inning. Jose Ramirez gets a two-out RBI single, brings in Miles Straw to tie it up in the fifth inning. But then in the bottom of the seventh inning, uh... The Guardians would blow this thing wide open. Now, you would think with doubleheader baseball that, David, you probably got to watch a ton of baseball yesterday. No. No. I was running around with the family. We actually went on a hike. Uh, I, I'm Frankly, I missed a lot of both of these baseball games. So all I get is a text from my brother that says, boom. I'm like, all right, this has to be something good, right? This this has to be something. So I checked the phone. Sure enough, Andres Jimenez, seventh inning home run after a mile straw walk and a Stephen Kwan single. Two guys on base. Ahmed Rosario would hit into a force out. Jose Ramirez would strike out on a check swing he was not happy about. Andres Jimenez would come up on the first pitch. It's a slider, middle in off the plate. And he turns on at 104.4 miles per hour, 410 feet for a monster three-run home run to put this game firmly in the Guardians' possession. And that would be all they needed. That was it. The three-run home run was the shot for this game. And it definitely was boom. Uh, Andres Jimenez, this is not a typical spot for him to even get a hit. I mean, he is red hot, red hot. You should see his baseball savant page. When you look at the zones, this is his first home run off the plate. Uh, He does have one home run middle in. Most of his home runs, of course, middle, middle, and then up. Uh, He's got four home runs from pitches that are up. In off the plate, he does not. He barely has any hits in off the plate in this zone. Uh, I mean, his batting average, his slugging percentage, this is not a spot. In the zone, yes. Middle in, yes. His his slugging middle in is 650. He's hit a bunch of doubles uh, and singles from middle in. I take that back. Only one double from middle in. A bunch of singles from middle in. Uh, but he hits the ball middle in. Just not off the plate middle in. This this was, I got to say, this was kind of an outlier to the, his season. I mean, he has absolutely destroyed everything in the strike zone. Has not really been a guy to expand the strike zone like this. So the fact that he takes this first pitch, and I mean, it was close. It was a close pitch to the strike zone. But the fact that he takes this and hammers it for a home run 
uh yeah it's it's a pot it's it's awesome it's awesome from Andres Jimenez obviously been clutch all season uh they were calling him Captain Clutch on the broadcast and absolutely I mean with runners in scoring position this guy has been it and we'll see in game two he gets another interesting home run in game two so that's all my thoughts on game one actually I mean that pretty much sums up game one uh, is a pretty simple game when your starter strikes out 10 and you score most of your runs on one big hit in the seventh inning it's a pretty easy game to break down all right game two was a little more complicated it was a little more back and forth game two you've got Xavion Curry making his major league debut so we'll check the numbers on him and uh, then unfortunately you have the Guardians bullpen imploding Eli Morgan is just having the roughest time right now Shaw gets left in for two innings. That was a mistake. Uh, and at that point, it was out of hand. I mean, the Guardians offense tries. They put up five runs. But uh, you got to do better against the Tigers. you got to hold them a little bit less uh, if you want to win this thing. So uh, let's get into it. Let's get into the storylines of Game 2. And we got to start with Xavion Curry. Major League debut. Five innings pitched. Eight hits. Three runs given up. One walk, three strikeouts on 72 pitches. He's hard hit seven times. And uh, frankly, that's not a terrible line for your Major League debut. I mean, he has the lead going into that fifth inning. Unfortunately, he gives up two runs in that fifth inning. Uh, and they were two runs given up on kind of weird plays. Uh, they were... Uh, they were kind of cheap RBIs. I mean, one was a ball off the dirt, basically. Not like it was off Class A, which was literally off the dirt. This one was kind of off the shoe tops. A bloop in the center field brings in a run. And then a broken bat ball that maybe if the bat doesn't shatter, I mean, absolutely shatter, maybe this thing turns into a double play. But with the bat shattering, it was a weirdly hit ball, and they're only able to get the force out of second base. So another run comes in to score. So... Uh, two, I want to say cheap RBIs, but lucky RBIs by the Tigers in that fifth inning ties the game up. So I think Xavier Curry pitched very well in his debut. Going over to the Illustrator, where was he locating everything? Well, it was a pretty simple formula from him. It was fastballs up, and it was curves, sliders, and a few changeups down. It's pretty simple there. I mean. There's a couple of fastballs located basically at the belt or at you know the top of the thigh, and but most of them are from the letters and above. Uh, there's only three fastballs actually like below the thighs. Everything else, the curveball and the chain and the slider, uh, and a few changeups. There's a few up at the belt. There's one or two at the belly. Most of them are at the knees or below. So it's a pretty simple recipe from Xavier Curry. Uh, it's kind of what you expect to see. Go high with the fastball, go low with the off-speed stuff. So how does it work on the day for him? Well, it's it's a 32% whiff rate. It's actually not bad. He gets most of the whiffs on that slider. It's a 54% whiff rate on the slider. Seven whiffs on 13 swings. Uh, but the called strikes weren't really there. He wasn't really locating like that. Maybe they were just being aggressive against him. Only nine called strikes. So it's a 29% CSW total on the day. Uh, a 26% on his forcing fastball. A 40% on the slider. And a 30% CSW on the curveball. But he only threw it 10 times. Only threw three changeups. 
Um, they did put a ton in play. They did not foul off a lot. Only eight foul balls, which obviously the foul balls help you get those strikeouts, right? Get into those good counts. They put 18 balls in play against him. Now, they only had an average exit velocity of 88.3. So that's that's pretty good uh, from Xavier Curry. Unfortunately, like we said, they're able to uh, tack on those runs in the fifth inning. I wouldn't even say he ran out of gas in that fifth inning. They just got a few hits to start the inning. And then, like we said, some lucky bat moments to kind of drive those runs in in the fifth inning. So uh, that would be the day for Xavier Curry. And it, it was just so cool, the outpouring of support. I mean, all the teammates that were cheering him on, I mean, uh, they could not have been more excited. The guys from Columbus that came up to cheer him on was awesome to see. Uh, yeah, the whole organization was kind of behind this guy. And we'll see. Same thing uh, we said a few weeks ago. Uh, man, another rookie making their debut. Unbelievable. We'll see if he sticks around for another start. If this was just a doubleheader thing. Uh, will he get another opportunity this season to get another start? Uh, we'll have to see. Um, obviously, with Savali back healthy, there's not really an opening in the starting rotation right now. Uh, so, yeah, so the bullpen, unfortunately, would implode behind him. Eli Morgan is just having a terrible, terrible day. Uh, he gives up two home runs in this game, two solo home runs uh, in the uh, sixth inning. Uh, he gives up, uh, let's see, where were these pitches? Uh, let's see what he gave up. I think one was a fastball and one was a changeup. Yes, so he gives up. A changeup down and away to Jonathan Scope, and uh, he hammers this one. Uh, what was the exit velocity? 100.9 miles per hour, I believe, to the home run porch in left field. And then uh, Kerry Carpenter. Actually, that was down and in to Jonathan Scope, if I remember right. That was down and in the right-handed hitter. And then Kerry Carpenter uh, gets a high fastball, and he gets this thing lifted out into right center field. 102.9 mile per hour exit velocity. And Kerry Carpenter has struggled in his major league debut. He he he's this is his fourth game he's played in. Uh, he did not have a hit in the first two games against us. In fact, he struck out six times in those first two and eight at bats in those first two games against us. He got his first hit playing against the White Sox in the last series, but he only got in one game. And then he gets into the second game here and finally has a day. He goes three for four. He has a double. He has a home run. So he's got his first RBI, uh, you know, on his solo home run. So, yeah, so a bunch of firsts for Kerry Carpenter. Probably felt really good to finally prove that he could have a good game here uh, at the major league level. So, uh, unfortunately, Eli Morgan pays the price for it, uh, leaves a fastball up, and gives up the guy's first home run. So, yeah, it's it's been rough for Eli Morgan. I mean, looking by month, this guy was pretty good in April. I uh, had a 0.89 whip despite a 5 ERA, but it was limited performance, limited outings. Uh, in May, he is dominant. A 0.75 ERA for the month of May. A 0.25 whip. 15 strikeouts to one walk in the month of May. I mean, my God, Eli Morgan. Unbelievable. In June, still pretty strong. I mean, a ton of appearances in June. 12 appearances in June. Three uh, ERA, still a very good whip at 0.93, still 19 strikeouts to three walks. A very good June. In July, it starts to go downhill. A 675 ERA. The whip is over one. 
It's still good strikeout ratio. Still seven strikeouts to zero walks. Uh, not giving up many home runs in the month of July. Uh, actually gave up more home runs in June than he did in July. And then August, it's been bad. An 11.57 ERA for the month of August. A 2.36 whip. Uh, five strikeouts to only two walks. Three home runs given up, including the two yesterday. So yeah, the month of August has been terrible for Eli Morgan. And then Brian Shaw comes in. And fr- frankly, Brian Shaw is fine in the seventh inning. But he decides to leave him out there for the eighth inning, and that was a huge mistake. Absolutely starts to get hammered in that eighth inning. I mean, it's just, uh, there were some bad decisions by rookies in that eighth inning uh, that also torpedoed this inning. Uh, Jonathan Scope with a leadoff uh, single, a chopper down the third base line. Freeman decides, instead of trying to scoop this ball and make a play, he figures his only chance is to try to let this thing go foul. It doesn't. It rolls right up to the bag and over the bag. Uh, so it's a hit for Jonathan Scope. Uh, would, would Ramirez have made that same decision or would Ramirez have tried to make the play? It's a tough spot because with Scope running down the line, uh, did he have a chance of getting him? I don't know. We didn't see that angle. So uh, he makes a decision to let the ball go there. And then Kerry Carpenter bloops one in the left center field. And frankly, I thought Benson had this thing run down, and Quan comes out of nowhere from left field and calls him off, basically, and can't make the catch. So it's a bloop single for Kerry Carpenter here in the eighth, and that really sets up this inning. Um, you know, Benson, I really thought he had a line on it, but without being the everyday center fielder, obviously they play together in the minors, but I don't know how much. Uh, Benson has to take charge in that situation. The center fielder is the captain. Now, I know there's some situations where you're like, oh, sh- I do shoot, I do not know if I'm going to get to this ball. Uh, you have a hard time calling it because you're not sure if you're going to get to it. But as a center fielder on a Major League Baseball team, you have to be the captain out there. And you have to be aggressive. I thought Benson had this ball run down. It looked like he was going to get there. And Quan calls him off at the last second. It looks ugly and nobody comes up with the catch. So, Two, I thought bad decisions by rookies kind of set Shaw up for failure in this eighth inning, but he probably had no business being out there in this eighth inning anyways. Tucker Barnhart uh, with the line and RBI single. Uh, Henches would come in, try to get him out of the inning. Unfortunately, he gives up another RBI single to Victor Reyes, and the run gets credited back to Brian Shaw. So Shaw and Morgan both give up two runs, and it kind of puts this game out of reach. The Guardians are able to scratch across another run in the ninth. They just scratched across a run. Uh, They're able to scratch across one in the seventh and one in the ninth, but at this point, it's kind of out of reach. I do want to say the at-bat by Quan in the seventh inning. So Quan gets an RBI at-bat here in the seventh inning, and I really loved this at-bat. For some reason, Joe Cisnero decided to throw him all sinkers uh, at the knees, middle of the zone. They're all in the same location. And Quan, being the patient guy he is, takes one uh, just below the zone. I mean, right at the knees for a called strike one. Gets another one, same location, just a little bit further outside. Takes it for a called strike two. Okay. Throws him a third one. This one is up at the thighs, middle of the plate, and he lines it into center field at 100.9 miles per hour for an RBI. 
brings in uh, Benson to score from third. Tyler Freeman moves up to second. I thought this was just a fantastic at-bat by Quan. Just absolutely locked into what's happening and shaking off the first two called strikes and locking in on that third pitch. Why Cisnero decided to throw him three pitches in basically the same exact spot at the same exact speed, I don't know. Uh, but Quan was ready for it. He was ready for that third one. And he wasn't going to take another called strike. He lines this one up in the center field uh, for a base hit. Does Cisnero have anything else? Uh, he's got a forcing fastball. He's got a slider and a changeup that he barely uses. Man, it's kind of the Brian Shaw uh, thing where you've got he's for Shaw it's a cutter for Cisnero apparently it's a sinker. He just goes to it over and over again. So uh, yeah, a nice job by Quan bringing in that RBI in the seventh inning. Uh, and yeah, so the ninth inning, I mean, it's pretty much out of reach at that point, seven to four, uh, Oscar Gonzalez tries, he gets the double, he ends up scoring, uh, in that ninth inning, but that's all they're able to do. Freeman would hit ground into a double play to end things. So unfortunately they end up splitting. And that means with both the White Sox and the twins winning, instead of gaining an extra half a game by sweeping the doubleheader by splitting, we actually give up a half a game to both those teams. So now it's a two-game lead in the American League Central Division. So that's all my thoughts on this one. I mean, I I thought Curry was good. Oh, we also have Naylor's injury. We'll see what comes of that. Francona said after the game that it's just a thing with his leg. It's kind of like a stinger. It just it flares up on him. Uh, They don't think anything structurally is wrong. So my guess is he'll get a day or two off and then be back in the lineup, if that's true. If what Francona said after the game is true. Um... I thought Curry, he strikes out the first battery faces. That was fun. Actually, let's go through that at-bat because it was a fun at-bat. He first off just uh, fires some fastballs up at the top of the zone. Riley Green being ultra-aggressive against the rookie. I don't know if these guys ever got to face each other in the minors. Obviously, they're both rookies. Uh, Four-seam fastball up at the top of the zone. Slightly above the zone, and he fouls it off. Another one, both of these pitches at 92, 93 miles per hour. 92.6 and 92.9 at the top of the zone. He follows off another one, and then he busts him in with a slider uh, down and in. Like we said, the CSW numbers were very good on that slider, and he swings through it. I mean, way off the plate. Makes him look bad uh, for his first Major League strikeout. So that's, that's, man, uh, Green did him some favors in this at bat. Not one pitch was actually in the strike zone. So uh, Green did him some favors and got Curry his first Major League strikeout. So... All right, I think that's... Oh, Jimenez's home run. We didn't even talk about Jimenez's home run. The two home runs in the fourth inning that gave the Guardians the lead. I told you, there's so much to go over in a doubleheader. So Jimenez does it again in the fourth inning with the Guardians down one nothing. He hits a two-run home run. I get another text from my brother that just says, boom times two. I was like, oh yeah, here we go. Andres Jimenez with another home run. Uh, yeah, and this one was in a location... That, again, is not typical for uh, Andres Jimenez. Uh, He gets this one, and let me find this at-bat here. Uh, It's two change-ups in this at-bat. Throws him a change-up away that he takes for a called strike, and then throws him a change-up middle down at the knees, and he's able to lift it. He's able to go down and get it and lift it at a 27-degree launch angle, 104.6 mile-per-hour exit velocity, 408 feet to center field for the two-run home run. And I say it's interesting that he lifted it because he does have a strong batting average from middle down. 
He does have a strong slugging percentage from middle down. But what he doesn't do is hit fly balls from middle down. Now, he, he's a 50, from that zone, he's a 50% ground ball rate. He's a 31% line drive rate. He's only a 12% fly ball rate from middle down. So it's interesting that he's able to get down and lift this thing for a home run. Like I said, he slugs 538 there. He hits 346 there. So it's not a problem hitting the ball in that zone. He just doesn't lift many balls in that zone. That's his first home run from that zone. Uh, middle down, he had no home runs up until this point. So a great job by Andres Jimenez. And Luke Maley's home run just came on a high fastball. And it was a very hittable pitch. Uh, fastball up and in, and he turns on it and hits it to the home run porch. So it's a good swing by Luke Maley. And it was the first pitch of the at-bat, too, just being aggressive against a first-pitch sinker two-seamer uh, up and in on the guy. So he hits at 99.3 miles per hour, 368 to that home run porch in left field. All right, that is all my thoughts. MVP on the day, it's got to go to Andres Jimenez. Split across the two games, a ton of RBIs, a, you know, the two home runs. He goes three for four in that first game with three RBIs on the big three-run home run. And in the second game, he only goes one for four, but another big home run, a two RBI, a two-run home run to give the Guardians the lead in that fourth inning. Unfortunately, they can't hold the lead. Uh, in this one, but I think Andres Jimenez was definitely MVP on the day across the doubleheader. You know, sometimes we split it up with a game one MVP and a game two MVP. I think Andres Jimenez really was the MVP for the entire day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Uh, again, the final from Cleveland, they split the doubleheader with the Detroit Tigers. We'll get back at it today. Who is on the mound today? It's back to a 7 o'clock start for the next two games, and it's Hill against Plesek on the mound, and then Norris against Quantrill to finish off the series. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show, Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if we go to anchor.fm forward slash Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.